This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, July 5th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, search and rescue brings hiker to safety, library searches for new cards, Telluride Reserve celebrates food and wine, and a mountain weather forecast. San Miguel County Search and Rescue responded to a hiker who was cliffed out in Upper Bear Creek on Saturday. A 17-year-old female was hiking up the Upper Bear Creek area and started to do the Wasatch connector and started to cross a snowfield and found herself lost, needed help finding the trail and just couldn't find the trail and then became cliffed out, which means she couldn't go up or down and it was kind of trapped. That's Susan Lilly, public information officer for the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office. Search and rescue came up and performed a technical short rope rescue and was able to safely get her down. Lilly notes neither the young woman nor search and rescue personnel sustained injuries, but she adds the woman was not equipped to be in the backcountry. This was a visitor who was was not prepared for the backcountry, hiking alone, and certainly we don't recommend going into the backcountry unprepared. Lily says with snowfields still in the area, individuals need to be even more cautious. With snowfields, you have the inherent danger of crossing them, slipping, sliding, injuring yourself. But, you know, for the people who are very, very familiar with the trails, there's not a, a you know, a real danger in losing your way, uh, certainly a partial danger. But um, for those familiar, it's it's more of a danger of getting hurt. Um, in this case, um, she was, uh, you know, perhaps not as familiar as she needed to be. She was alone and then crossed the snowfield and found herself in trouble. Lily emphasizes, regardless of the time of year, individuals need to be prepared when they head out. We may not be able to get to you. Uh, We make every attempt, but we're looking at weather, personnel, safety, uh, you know, is this overnight, everything. So just like we encourage the backcountry people who are venturing out to be prepared, our folks, of course, need to be prepared. And we're only going to send them out if they can safely do it. So you may be stuck out there without a rescue. And that's why we ask people to be prepared. The mission to rescue the young woman took four hours, ending at dusk. She was reunited with her family. The Wilkinson Public Library is a pillar of the Box Canyon. And now, one or several lucky members of the community are about to join the legacy. The library is, of course, a great community institution. We love having visitors and locals come by all the time and helping out with services and getting connected with materials. And if they're using their card, then you know, if your art is on it, then you are helping facilitate that and, and helping facilitate that in a more beautiful way instead of just having a plain, boring card. That's Laura Colbert, Adult Program Specialist at the Library. This summer, the library is hosting a competition to select the photographs or paintings that will adorn a new batch of library cards. And you just have bragging rights. I mean, it's pretty fun, you know, for a long time, because it's going to be a while before we do it. You could say, that's my art on that card. Competition guidelines are simple. Send a photo or scan a piece of artwork. Uh, We did a photography contest, oh, five-ish years ago, I want to say. For our cards, you might recognize the dogs or the Main Street picture, and it's time for us to order another batch. We thought, why not do it again? But this time we expanded it from just photography to 
paintings and drawings as well, which is a little easier for the kids. There will be at least three selected photos or pieces of art, one from the kids, one from the teens, and one from the adults. Other than that, Colbert notes, the world is your oyster. The biggest thing to keep in mind is actually the smallest thing, actually, is it's going to be shrunk down to the size of a library card. So you got to consider your design. Is it going to look good shrunk down? Is it too complicated? Obviously, photos shrink down pretty easily. But if you're drawing or painting something, you got to consider what it looks like very small. Uh, it can be portrait or landscape. So you've got that freedom. And there isn't a particular thing we're looking for. I, you know, I guess we'll know it when we see it. We've got um, AHA is helping promote this. So we've got a friend from AHA who will come over and look at the entries with us and a couple other folks. And we'll have an adult winner, a teen winner, and a kid winner. With a new set of library cards in the works, Colbert adds, past iterations will be something for the history books. It'll officially become vintage and collectible. Actually, you know, there's a lot of them out there. You know, we give out a lot of cards. Um, and so I, I suspect we'll see those for a while, but it is true. There won't be any more. So come get your Main Street picture if that's what you really want to, when we run out. But it's, it's really great once in a while is that people roll in with cards from like 2000, you know, when the library first opened. There's a very specific logo with a couple of bears I see very occasionally or one iteration after that. So it kind of it kind of shows your era if you keep your card for a long time. The deadline to submit a photo or piece of art for the contest is July 14th at 5 p.m. Individuals can email a photo or scan drawing or painting to art at telluridelibrary.org or drop it off at the library. Please indicate your category, kid 5 to 12, teen 13 to 17, or adult 18 plus. Nicole Jarman wants you to get curious and excited about food and wine. I had this amazing conversation last week with a woman from South Africa who like was telling me all about salt. And it's like, ah, oh, that is so cool, right? And like salt is the third most important thing for your body, right? So as you're thinking about things you're consuming, I mean, oxygen, water, and salt. Jarman is the curator and owner of the Telluride Reserve a new food and wine experience in Telluride. It is really a collaboration of culinary talents, wine talents. It's the idea of bringing people together to create. Um, and for me, it's always been about kind of understanding all the things we're consuming a little bit better, right? Getting to a deeper place with your with your food and your wine. The weekend of food and drink will take place in Telluride next month with a mix of small seminars, dinners, and tastings. It is three days of kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. So three days and about 15 events throughout the three days. Um, everything from, we're about half a dozen seminars, um, so smaller intimate events where you may learn about... Um, vintages of champagne, or you might learn about salt, or um, different things of that nature. And then lunch and dinner collaborations. So we have uh, three lunches and two dinners that are all collaborations with chefs and winemakers um, coming together to create something special. And then Saturday is a grand tasting, you know, your, your tasting event where you get to wander around and see all your friends from the weekend. And then we end with a barbecue, an adieu barbecue on Saturday evening. For Jarman, she says the event is for anyone looking for an adventure. It is for people who are curious. It is people who are just have an open mind, who are curious, who are ready to to learn as much as they want to learn, right? But to be to go and open-minded and try something new. Because really, she says, 
eating and drinking is all about the community. The family, the aspect of sitting around a table and breaking bread, right? It feeds your soul and nourishes your your mind and your your whole state of being, I think, just in sharing a meal with somebody. So there's so much of that for me. But it's also about sticking closer to home when it comes to what we eat and drink. All of the chefs that we work with are very... Um, have high integrity on where their food comes from. Um, and, and my background actually starts with farmer's markets. I started running farmer's markets 17 years ago. So I care a lot about where our food is coming from, right? So making sure that we're not only putting good things in our body, but that we're supporting food that's supporting our, our world, right? That's supporting the place we live in, that's supporting then the people that are farming the land. So there's so it's, it touches so many things. So when we come to a food and wine festival, it seems so basic, right? We're going to sit and eat a beautiful meal and drink great wine. But like, there's so much more that happens there, right? Just it, it, you're, you're touching all parts of like our, our ecosystem, right? The Telluride Reserve Food and Wine Extravaganza will flourish across Telluride and Mountain Village August 17th through 19th. The excitement never stops in the Box Canyon. With 4th of July under the belt, it's time for even more music. The Ride Sessions Concert Series kicks off on Thursday with a free show from Holy Spirits, featuring Jay Buchanan of Rival Sons. The show will begin at 8 p.m. at the Ride Lounge. The 2023 Ride Sessions will also feature a weekend of shows from Black Pistol Fire at the Sheridan Opera House on Friday, July 7th and Saturday, July 8th, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown will take the stage at the Ride Lounge on the 7th and 8th at 10 p.m. And Holy Spirits will be back on Sunday, July 9th at 8 p.m. at the Sheridan Opera House. Tickets for the Ride Sessions concert series are available at ridefestival.com. An avalanche mitigation system is coming to Red Mountain Pass on Highway 550 between Uray and Silverton. The Colorado Department of Transportation announced it will begin installing remotely controlled avalanche mitigation equipment next week. According to CDOT, the equipment will include remote avalanche control systems at three known snow slide path locations. The work will take place near the summit above the highway at Blue Point and Blue Willow slide paths and near the Alpine Loop start at the Mother Klein slide path. CDOT will begin implementing the new system on Tuesday, July 11th. Work will take place Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. with the potential for weekend work. Motorists should be aware of full traffic holds and single-lane alternating traffic during construction. New privacy protections for consumers in Colorado took effect over the weekend. The Colorado Privacy Act establishes new rights on personal data use. That includes the right to know if your data is being collected and the right to access, correct, or delete it. Consumers now have the right to opt out if a company wants to sell their data. The Privacy Act also puts new responsibilities on organizations that collect large amounts of personal data. They have to notify consumers on what type of data they will collect, how they will use it, and how consumers can access it. The law was passed by state lawmakers in 2021. Last month, Senators Michael Bennett and John Hickenlooper wrote a letter requesting a hearing for their Dolores River Conservation Area Bill in the Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources. 
For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KSJD's Chris Clements has more. The committee has agreed to hold a hearing on the legislation during their next meeting on July 12th. The bill would protect 68,000 acres of public lands along the river in southwest Colorado. But now, in addition to the NCA Act, community organizations that advocate on behalf of the Dolores River are discussing the idea of President Joseph Biden designating some areas not covered by the bill as a national monument. Rika Fulton is the Advocacy and Stewardship Director for the Dolores River Boating Advocates. So there is some effort by conservation organizations and some other local stakeholders, businesses um, that are starting to have conversations and build support for protections. And uh, and I think an important part of the National Monument piece is also working with tribal nations, especially the three Ute tribes, since that is uh, the Dolores country is their ancestral homeland. Bennett took a three-day trip down the Dolores River on June 10th, meeting with commissioners, tribal members, ranchers, and other members of the community to discuss the legislation. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. For most PhD students in environmental science, getting outside into the field for hands-on experience is an important part of their graduate career. But for those who began their journey through academia at the onset of the pandemic, many opportunities have been limited. But this May, one professor decided it was time to get her students real-life experience by taking them on a four-day field trip to a remote research station high up in Colorado's mountains. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Stephanie Maltrich, a science writer at the Cooperative Institute for Research in Environmental Sciences at the University of Colorado Boulder, brings this report. At the end of the road in Crested Butte, Colorado, a small group of PhD students lift large, heavy packs onto their backs. Today is the start of a three-day field trip at the Rocky Mountain Biological Laboratory in the small town of Gothic, which requires a four-mile trek through mud and snow. Jennifer Kay planned the trip for PhD students in the Department of Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences at the University of Colorado Boulder, where she's an associate professor and series fellow. Today, eight students are heading into the field to learn more about the NOAA-led Splash Campaign, a two-year project collecting data on wind, snow, air temperatures, and more. Kay says there are two goals for the trip. The first is to have fun and unwind after a long semester hunched over computer screens. The second is to kind of try to connect what you see with your eyeballs to these like state-of-the-art instruments that are up here measuring the snow and the rain and the soil moisture and all these other um, things. I think there's like 400 odd things being measured up here. Most of the students in Kay's group work with physics-based climate modeling programs. Our group focuses on clouds and precipitation and surface albedo, mostly in the polar regions. And that's a lot of the same measurements that are being made here in the high alpine and the Rockies. And so it connects in a lot of different ways, even though some of the research questions are different. On the road to Gothic, Sean Leister and Jenna Cloud tell me they're excited to explore their work through a new lens. It's like we all work on a computer mainly, like using coding to decipher these scientific problems. Leister sees value in taking some time outside to understand how observations are collected, an opportunity that was rare for students during the pandemic. Most of us in the K group never really see the actual collections of the data. We also just use a bunch of model data. So it's like, how are these observations used to parameterize the models? Clow agrees. 
it will be nice to step away from the computer. This is the first time I've been out in the field and been able to see different instruments, so that's really cool. And also it's just gorgeous out here, so I'm excited to see some scenery. It's day two and the students fall in line behind Heist DeBoer and Joe Sedlar to the first research site, a short snowshoe away. DeBoer and Sedlar have been leaders in the splash campaign. When they arrive to the site, they see the atmospheric surface flux station sitting on top of a picnic table to keep distance from the snow below. The instrument measures the surface energy budget, the exchange of energy between land and atmosphere. DeBoer explains the various parts. All right, in terms of sensors, we've got, remember the sonic anemometer and the LICOR from yesterday? Same, same deal. While he talks, students jot down notes in pocket notebooks while Kay probes them with questions. I want to hear some um, ideas from the group about what kind of measurements you think these instruments are making today. Like, if you were to look at the data later, what would you expect to see? Students share their ideas. Wind, changes in snow temperatures, and effects from the sun. Megan thompson Mudson studies fern when snow turns to glacial ice on the Greenland ice sheet. And she's finding many similarities between her work and the Splash Project. It's really hard to get to these remote places like Greenland and Antarctica where we have these big ice sheets, but the processes that are happening in terms of atmospheric and snow surface processes are the very same, so we can use these nearby areas um, to better understand the processes that are happening elsewhere. Will Bertrand studies clouds and how they interact with the surface. In addition to a passion for science, they have an interest in collecting sound. In college, I was in a music technology, music composition program, and then a physics one, too. And so for me, um, doing environmental science and kind of thinking about nature and the world um, listening to it is a big part of that for me. Bertrand peels away from the group to set up microphones and recording equipment next to a small creek. While they stay busy researching data collected in the Arctic, they hope to combine their passion for music and physics in the future. In climate science, you know, communication is big, and I think there's growing interest in creative climate communication as well. And so I'm thinking after my next paper that I'll take a step back and do a music project that's turning climate data into sound to try and communicate. As the third and final day comes to a close, students tromp through mud and bog two miles back to Gothic from the last field site. And as the field trip winds down, both students and the researchers reflect on the experience. Series researcher Joe Sedler says he's enjoyed sharing two years of his work with the group. Thank you for all coming out and visiting our sites. Um, and you all did really great. Like, it's not easy. It's, it's hard work. But it's beautiful and it's fun. And Jonah Shaw, one of the students, is walking away with a new perspective on the data he studies. So I work a lot with observations, but I don't make them. I'm not out taking the measurements. And so there's a lot of amazing science here, but something else that I think about is the people who are with, who are deciding where to place the measurements and how to make sure that we're getting them consistently. And that's something that I really take for granted. During the final circle, 
a snowplow moves slowly in the distance, clearing the knee-deep, slushy snow from the road. A collective sigh of relief washes over the group, knowing the walk out in the morning will be a little bit easier. I'm Stephanie Maltrich. This story was produced by the Cooperative Institute for Research and Environmental Sciences at the University of Colorado Boulder. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-40s. Thursday should be sunny during the day and clear at night. The high is around 80 degrees with a low near 50. Friday, expect sunny skies with a high near 80 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Friday night should be clear with a low around 45 degrees. There is a red flag warning in effect on Thursday and a fire weather watch in effect on Friday. This has been the news for Wednesday, July 5th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hi, I'm Katie with Bright Futures. Did you know that in the first few years of a child's life, over 1 million new neural connections are made every second? If you want to play a role in supporting young children and their social-emotional development, here is your chance. Become an early childhood teacher in training. Our early childhood teachers are so important to our community. This new AmeriCorps position will place you in a child care center in Telluride, Montrose, Delta, or Gunnison to serve for one year while receiving individualized coaching and college-level classes to gain skills and become a certified teacher. You will receive a living stipend and an education award to pay for school. This might be for you if you are graduating high school this year, if you are trying to get back into the workforce and gain professional development experience, or if you're recently retired and looking for a way to give back to the community. Please contact Katie Swick at AmeriCorps at BrightFuturesForChildren.org. That's AmeriCorps spelled A-M-E-R-I. C-O-R-P-S, or visit brightfuturesforchildren.org to learn more. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.